Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. My man, have a great weekend. You and the family, stay healthy, stay blessed. All right, I am Chris Cuomo. <clears throat> Welcome to Primetime. This president went to Florida and warned people about an obvious danger. So I just want to thank everybody here. Be careful a little bit tonight. It's a pretty big storm. I don't know if it's going to be a hurricane or not, but it's a storm. It's significant. It was good for him to go and mention a potential hurricane, but he said nothing to them about the catastrophe that is already hitting them this very second. Standing in front of a maskless crowd, all jammed in together, including law enforcement behind him, also close together, no masks anywhere. You tell me that this is a man who gives a damn about people getting sick. If he is going to sit there and say nothing, and in Florida, of all places, that state just set a record for the fourth straight day for COVID deaths. Even with their suspect reporting about pneumonia deaths that they called non-COVID related, hiding hospitalizations and other chicanery, they're still drowning in bad data. Mr. President, how do you find any peace knowing that you stood there and you didn't set those people straight? Do you really think being president is just an accolade? Do you really believe you have no duty to these people taking this risk in front of your face? You really don't think that you're one of the reasons why they have no masks, that they would pack into a place when the virus is all over the state? And if you really do have no sense of duty, have you no shame that you would put people in this kind of position of risk? But of course, I'm talking to myself, aren't I? We know the answers. Now, he may not know the answers, but we do. Mr. Trump, it's all about his interests, not yours. All me, no we. That's why he attacks Dr. Fauci and has his state TV pals do it. I know he said a few days ago that Fauci's his top guy. But if that's the truth, why is he still having his dogs go at the good doctor? Did you see this from just today? Well, half a million protesters on June 6th alone. Yeah. I'm just asking that number of no. people. Does yeah. it increase the spread of the virus? Cra crowding together, particularly when you're not wearing a mask, contributes to the spread of the virus. Should we limit the protesting? I, I'm not sure what you mean. Should How do we say limit the protesting? Should government limit the protesting? I, I, I don't think that's relevant. And we know the protest actually increased the spread of the virus. You've said that. I said crowds. I didn't say specifically. I didn't say protest do anything. So the protests don't increase the spread of the virus? I didn't say that. You're putting words in my mouth. Look, he has said, and we've all said, yes, the protests increase the risk of spread. Jim knows this. You know what else does? No masks. You know what else does? Denying the pandemic and calling it a hoax for weeks and weeks and weeks. You know what else does? Not helping out 
with contact tracing and testing. And Jordan knows every one of these things. I know Jim Jordan. You change the R after Trump's name to a D and he'd be all over it. Jim Jordan tore into Democrats this week to lay off Bill Barr. Let Barr answer the questions. Come on, man. Let's stick to the point of this hearing. That line of entrapment style questioning from the GOP congressman, we know he did it for one reason, and it's not his constituents. It's a constituency of one, el presidente, el jefe, the boss. And of course, he got the pat on the head that he so desperately seeks. Great job by Jim Jordan, tweeted President Trump. Great job attacking the man you said is your top guy? The guy you said you like? The guy you said you work with so closely? You like that somebody went after him pretending that Fauci is the guy who decides what we cancel and what we don't? Shameless. But I'll tell you what is truly shameful. We topped four and a half million cases today. We are going the wrong way for the wrong reasons. The CDC now projects we're going to reach more than 173,000 deaths by August 22nd. So that is bad, period. But there is also some good new information that we have for you to help you figure out what the risks are and what we're all going to face at one point or another. Let's bring in the chief doctor, Sanjay Gupta, to break down the new things we've learned. Sanjay, great to see you, brother. Um, School, 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 school. It's all we're talking about in my house. Uh, my kids go to private school. I'm not Mine happy too. with the process. I'm not happy with what I'm being told. I think this hybrid model, a few days in, a few days out, is the worst of both. So you create chaos at home and you expose them to virus in the classroom. I don't get it. But I do get this. We have to pay attention to this CDC report about hundreds that were infected at a Georgia sleepaway camp. Now, do you believe that this is kind of an analog to what we have to worry about with schools? I, I, I do, Chris. I, I think that this is a, this is a very significant finding. Uh, and I, I should point out, I know this camp well. We were following the story of this camp all along. Should they open? Should they not reopen? Uh, it was a big deal here in, in the newspapers because a lot of kids know this camp. It's a YMCA camp. A um, couple things that really struck me about this. First of all, there were 600 kids that went to the camp. They were there for basically five days, including orientation. Camp counselor gets sick. Camp counselors are wearing the masks not necessarily all the the attendees, the campers. Uh, Camp counselor gets sick, they send them home, and then they decide to basically close the camp down over the next several days, and what do they find? Let me show you here. Uh, First of all, uh, we talk a lot about testing, not everyone could get tested, but out of the people that could get tested, they find that the young people, and I have the ages here, between six and 10, 51% of them became infected between the ages of six and 10. So these are some of the youngest campers between 11 and 17, I'm sorry, 51%, uh, between 11 and 17, 44%, and between 18 and 21, 33% of the people that were there got, can- got, got COVID. They, now they why, was positive. it the camp again, wasn't following that, the right rules? Yeah, I think, there's, there's, I think there's two things. First of all, there were some specific CDC guidelines in terms of everyone wearing masks. Yeah, you can put them up. Uh, making sure there's proper ventilation within the, within the uh, uh, various cabins. Uh, windows were closed. And there was a lot of people who were doing these types of activities Same where you schools. were putting a lot of droplets into the air. Mm-hmm. 
Same as schools. Yep. Uh, same as schools. And I can tell you, Chris, that a lot of these kids are the same kids that go to the schools uh, in this area where I live. So this, this was a huge concern and a bit of a trial balloon in terms of what would happen in schools. I think the fact that young kids were actually the, the, the most significant percentage uh, that got infected, I think, was was worth noting. And we also realized a lot of these kids were spreading it to each other. Right. So, so now it was we one give them camp counselor. It's not school. And then all these kids. It's not school as an analog because unless you're going to boarding school, sleepaway school, school's just during the day. These guys were sleeping them there at night. Now the 51% in that younger age range, that leads us into the next piece of research that we have to deal with. The president keeps saying, well, don't worry about them because that 51%, uh, they don't communicate. Uh, the virus to uh, other people. They don't spread it the way other people do. Now, there was another study that the president has to know about that says that that is BS, that once you get over the age of 10, people transmit the virus uh, at that age the same as they do at our age. True? That, that's true. So that was a really good study. It was done out of South Korea. They looked at these kids, 10 to 19, and traced them, traced the contacts, and, and said, look, how much are they actually spreading? And just like you said, they find that kids between the ages of 10 and 19 were spreading just like adults. What was also interesting about that study, Chris, and subsequent studies is that we really don't know about kids younger than 10. For the most part, you know, you think about it, Chris, they've largely been home since the middle of March. They haven't had a lot of contacts to trace, so we really don't know. But then a study comes out that says they carry a lot of the virus, the genetic material for the virus in their noses. They carry 10 to 100 times as much of these virus material in their noses as compared to adults. That's significant. You, you superimpose that on the camp study that the CDC published. A lot of kids are spreading to each other, admittedly in this camp environment, not necessarily a school environment, but still they are spreading it, Chris. Mm -hmm. That is the concern. They are spreading it to each other. And are they going to spread it to people at home, to their parents, to grandparents, to other people in the community. That is an unknown right now, but the evidence is continuing to mount. We're learning together. There's a humility that's necessary. We, we've said that since March, but we are learning that young kids may be more, more likely to spread than we realize. All right, two other quick things. Uh, the first one is uh, involves uh, both of us as well. So plasma, this isn't news if you've been following this, but they've done more research on the benefit of plasma from people like me who've been sick and have the antibodies to help people who are sick. Now, a lot of people don't want to do this, Sanjay. They've been reaching out to me. I heard it's too long. I heard it could be dangerous. Uh, I heard that they take out too much of your blood. I think there's some demystifying we have to do here. And I think that you and I should do the story where you can come uh, and be somewhere near me for when I faint because we both know I'm going down if I have to get, if I have to give blood one more time. Um, but what should people know about giving plasma other than to not be like me when the, the needle goes in? I'll catch you. Don't wor don't you worry, Chris. I've done that have for you a before. Pillow. I carried you on my back. <laughs> I I'll know. do it again. I know. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, here's what I will tell you. This is this is very interesting, and I'll preface by saying this is not a peer-reviewed study. Mm -hmm. We we reported a lot of stuff lately in this fast-moving pandemic that is not yet peer-reviewed. So let me just disclose that. Having said that, this was very interesting findings if they hold up. The, basically, in patients who were really sick, Chris, these are hospitalized patients, patients who are severely ill. Uh, they gave some of these patients. Uh, this, this convalescent serum. So it's basically the antibodies from the blood of someone who has recovered. And what they found, again, in this, this, this non-peer-reviewed study, was that it basically decreased the likelihood of mortality by about half. Uh, they found around 25% of people were dying in the severely uh, ill group. 
but then people who got this convalescent plasma, about 13% of those people died. It wasn't a panacea, it wasn't a cure necessarily, but it seemed to make a huge difference. You're basically giving the antibodies from somebody to somebody else and hoping those antibodies actually get to work. Right. They get to work at actually uh, attacking the virus and preventing it from continuing to replicate, and it seems to work. And Chris, look, we talk a lot about a vaccine, uh, but the therapeutics like this, we need to be paying more attention to them right. because I think they could be a bigger deal. They could be the bridge to a vaccine. If and you this will. we already and know that might we be have a long bridge, right? And we have, you know, look, all and you have to do is this we already know we have, right? And we have to just donate blood. Basically, that's what it is. There really is not much more. I've looked into it, uh, and I have to tell you, here's the biggest reason to do it if you've been sick. We all know how great it would feel for us to make something good come out of something that was so bad. I'm still dealing with yes. it. Um, you know, my bloods are all still screwed up. I'm still dealing with different possibilities, but I know I have a ton of antibodies. Mm. I just got tested this past week, ton of IgG antibodies. So we'll do it together and take people through it. One other thing that was really interesting to me until I asked my wife about it, um, which goes with a lot of things that I think I know before I speak to my wife, but she lost the smell and taste. Harvard comes out with a study saying that's okay. Turns out the virus doesn't attack the olfactory cells, the cells that control, um, but it's the neurotransmitter cells around them. So it will come back. You'll be okay. That's what the study is suggesting, right? Yeah, that's good. That's, that's basically it, Chris. And I know you like new words. Anosmia is oh. the word that uh, is referred to loss of smell. Anosmia? A schnozmia? <laughs> Anosmia. Anosmia. <laughs> so, but th th this was a really important finding because that's been a big question. And by the way, did, did Christine get her sense of smell back? So here's the ultimately? thing. Here's the thing. She did. Now, this is just one person, okay? But I know this for a fact, all right? She lost it. It came back. And then it went away again a few weeks later. And now she has a altered taste. Things taste putrid to her uh, sometimes. And we're working with the doctors to try to figure out why. Um, but, and she's not the only person who has said that. You know, she's been reaching out and getting feedback similar. I, I think that this study should be some good news for her and for a lot of people who, who lost the sense of smell. That it will come uh, back. First of all, loss of smell, that it will come back. Uh, the loss of smell was a very predictive symptom for this, for this COVID-19 uh, disease. I mean, you, you typically think of cough and fever, and those are there too, but loss of smell ended up being a pretty reliable predictor. But just as you said again, Chris, we kept thinking that, look, this must mean that the virus is actually attacking the neuronal cells that are responsible for smell. Turns out that's not the case. Those mm. cells were largely spared. It was more the supporting cells that allow those cells to do the work. What that means is it makes sense that you lose smell, but it also makes perfect sense that it should come back. This should not be a permanent sort of deficit that somebody has. And it's a great piece of evidence as a tell because, you know, come uh, the fall, you know, cold and flu season is going to be on us. And a lot of people are going to have fevers. A lot of people are going to have runny noses. A lot of people are going to have respiratory distress and it won't always be COVID. But when this loss of smell and taste comes, you have better percentages of it being COVID. So it's a good indicator uh, for our clinicians. Dr. Sanjay Gupta, I don't know how you're keeping up the work rate uh, that you are, but thank God you are. Hey, anytime for you, Chris. Right. Have a great and I'll buzz you. you. I'll buzz you over the weekend and we'll figure out how to do this story. Okay, let's All right, do it. about the Absolutely. plasma. So we'll show people and then they'll feel better doing it because if my wimpy ass can go through it, they'll, they'll do it as well. All right, have a good weekend. I'll talk to you this weekend, Doc.
Um, okay. I don't do well with the needles. I don't know what to tell you. It actually stems from something that happened when I was a child. I'll tell you another time. Michigan is imposing new restrictions. They're starting right now. Why? They're seeing cases start to climb. The governor, Gretchen Whitmer, is not spending her time fighting against the obvious. She's dealing with it. She's going to launch the crackdown. Not everybody will like it. That's leadership. I also want to talk to her about this interesting turn of events in the campaign. The president pulled his ads out of Michigan. The numbers are atypically strong for Biden, in my opinion. Why does she think? What is the pandemic politics going on in her state? Next. People in Michigan are seeing less of two things. TV ads for the Trump campaign, as he sinks in the polls there, and large gatherings as Governor Gretchen Whitmer cracks down to battle coronavirus after a resurgence in cases. She joins us now. Governor, good to have you back on primetime. Glad to be with you. Governor, I hope you and the family are well. Uh, tell us what triggered your need uh, to reassess and start some uh, more strict um, anti you know, socialization uh, principles. Well, as you probably recall, Michigan was heating up at the same time New York was, and we got aggressive with it, just like the state of New York did. And by Memorial Day, we'd saved thousands of lives, and we were the two states in line to contain COVID-19. Since then, though, we know people have gotten lax, and we've seen our numbers climb. And I'm trying to nip this in the bud so that we don't have to contemplate going back to a shutdown or back a phase in our, in our re-engagement plan. And so tightening up right now is really critical. If we want to have any shot of getting our kids back in school safely in four weeks, our actions today are going to dictate whether or not that's possible. And that's why we got to tighten things up now. Uh, and what are they telling you in terms of projections about how this will help? Well, I, you know, I'm listening to my epidemiologist. We're letting the science and the facts dictate the decision making. You know, we are taking lots of things into consideration. But when we see our numbers climb and we see the uh, rate of positive cases climb, we're doing more testing than ever. And that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but we do see growth all across the state. And that's why it's really important that we we take action now so that we try to avoid this, this increase. Uh, not popular. People don't like to go from more open to less open. Uh, you have this Clare County Sheriff uh, who in a Facebook post uh, told state officials to stay in Lansing and we will do what we will in free Michigan. Yep, I said it. I'm done with the blah, blah, blah. Um, so uh, that is a little bit of a characterization. Um, but this is not popular. What do you say to someone who doesn't want to enforce it? What do you say to people who don't want to do it? Oh, it's not popular with some. We know this. But the fact of the matter is the vast majority of people in this state are taking this seriously. They're doing the right thing. And, you know, we might have a sheriff who happens to be on the ballot in a couple months making statements like that. And I've been, you know, the, I've been tweeted at. I'm not going to be bullied into making decisions that I know jeopardize lives of the people that I serve. And so we're going to stay tethered to the science. We're going to make decisions about that are going to save people's lives and hopefully keep this economy engaged. And it's on all of us. Every one of us has a role to play. And if we drop our guard, then we're going to jeopardize all of the all of the sacrifice that we made to get us into this strong position. And that's why right now is the time and everyone needs to do their part. So, Governor, let's talk about whether or not that sheriff is making the right political play during the pandemic. Um, Biden is up. You know, Michigan was huge 
uh, for the president, Trump, in terms of winning, uh, has a large number of white working class people that is supposed to be his stronghold. Uh, we've seen in the polls, uh, you know, you're too busy, you're not doing poll analysis, but he is losing those white voters. Biden is gaining there most of all. Um, and he now, Trump, has pulled the ads. What do you think's going on with the pandemic politics in Michigan? Well, I want to make two points. Number one, I think Joe Biden's message resonates with Michiganders. We're hardworking, good people who want competent governance that looks out for us and keeps us safe. I think Joe Biden offers the kind of steady, ethical leadership that, that we're craving right now. And number two, the fact that they've announced that they're taking ads off makes me very suspicious. You know, I've seen polls that have them up uh, double digits. I've seen polls that have it in single digits. The fact of the matter is, just by them announcing that, we know that the DeVos group here in Michigan is going to backfill that to some extent. And so this is still going to be a competitive race. It is going to tighten up and no one should be taking Michigan for granted. See, I'm with you. I don't believe the polls because uh, the economic difficulties and the culture war that's going on now as, uh, you know, captured in the moment of Black Lives Matter, but it's just the latest iteration of a culture war and us versus them war. I think Michigan, that's why you got this sheriff. And that's why you have him popping up like this near election season, because it's very resonant, especially with right. some white voters. Um, do you think that Michigan, as you just said there, uh, expanded a little bit for the audience, that you don't care about the polls so much. You think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be tight. Michigan generally has a tendency to tighten up. We'll get past Labor Day. I know that, you know, it, the the if people write off Michigan, it'll be a mistake. And and so we just got to make sure that everyone stays focused. We do our jobs. I'm going to stay tethered to doing mine. But the fact of the matter is um, the path to the White House goes through the state of Michigan and a handful of other states. And no one should take the state for granted. Governor Whitmer, I know these decisions are not easy. I know they're not always popular, but you know what? Neither is a pandemic. Uh, good luck. Uh, the results, you have a platform here to talk about what's working and what isn't, as always. Thank you. All right, be well. All right, we showed you that Jim Jordan, congressman from Ohio, uh, what he did on the Hill today. He was going after Fauci. He was trying to hang the protests around Fauci's neck, play Fauci as a partisan when he was supposed to be there trying to figure out real things to push Fauci on, like how are you going to roll out the vaccine and when? Uh, how are we going to convince people to take it? Uh, and what are you doing about testing and getting some results faster from my home state of Ohio where cases are popping? But he didn't choose to do that. He chose to be there for one man who wasn't even in the room. But you know who it was. I'll show you how he did it and I'll show you what it means next. Watch out for trumpets playing the boss's divisive tune. Now it's Jim Jordan, congressman from Ohio, attacking Dr. Fauci for being a partisan. His basis? Dr. Fauci not seeing the BLM protests as a main reason for the COVID case spread. Should we limit the protesting? I, I'm not sure what you mean should, how do we say limit the protesting? Should government limit the protesting? I, I, I don't think that's relevant to... Well, to, you just said if it increases the spread of the virus, I'm just asking, should we limit it? Well, I'm, I'm not in a position to determine what the government can do in a forceful way. It's true. It's not Fauci's deal. He doesn't make rules about restricting protests. Why not ask the president why he celebrated the maskless gun guys in Michigan? 
or at his rallies or his mask mocking that even you play along with, Congressman. Here's the next Jordan jab. Is there a world where the Constitution says you can favor one First Amendment liberty protesting over another practicing your faith? I'm not favoring anybody over anybody. I'm just making a statement that's a broad statement that avoid crowds of any type, no matter where you are. Fauci's a practicing Catholic. What does Jordan want to say? Fauci hates Christians. Social distancing is a hoax to crush Jesus. Fauci didn't make the rules. Talk to gym owners if you want to talk about being unfairly excluded. This isn't about keeping people from praying. It's about praying that people act more like Jesus commanded, being your brother's keeper. Like you need to have happen in your home state of Ohio, where 91,000 people have caught the virus. Listen to this. I don't understand what you're asking me as a public health official to opine on who should get arrested or not. I mean, come on. Why does Tony Fauci have to make these points? What a waste of time. And what an obvious thing that was happening, making bad trouble. He could have been getting to how we deal with the vaccine, how we do better with testing. That's what they need in Ohio. They're getting in trouble there. They need help. That state's going to need resources. Why wasn't Jordan talking about this? Because he wasn't doing it for his constituents. He was doing it for Trump. But you know what? He got what he wanted. The line of questioning earned a pat on the head from the president. More proof of pandering to Trump's true pandemic plan. Create pandemonium. Not pandemic, pandemonium. Distract from all the bad facts. Play to white outrage with BLM. Proof that the attorney general are hearing this week. Jordan played a deceptively edited video of the protests to make the violence seem outsized. I'm not going to show it to you because it's not accurate about what's actually happening on the streets. We know that there are riots. We know there are opportunists. We know there are people who are doing the wrong things. But we also know that what is right about those protests and what is wrong about this country is much bigger than those aberrations. And Jordan wants to hide from that. But you can't hide from the truth. Each of what he did in this hearing, these examples, it's just an act. He's trolling you. He would have you believe that he's a serious fiscal conservative, disciplined, a champion. The first line in his bio of his campaign website says, Jim Jordan's background is a four-time state champion, a two-time collegiate champion in the sport of wrestling, helped prepare him to take on some of the toughest political opponents in Washington. And you know what? He was a damn good wrestler. He wants you to look at him and see him like this. But really, he's this now. That's what he is. He's bought wholly into Trump's WrestleMania pandemonium during a pandemic. He is only too happy, Congressman Jordan and another of other bunch of trumpets, to wind up on his back submitting to Trump's politics of demagoguery and division. He should be wrestling with the ugly reality in Ohio. Yesterday, the state saw the highest jump in COVID case count since the pandemic began. Dr. Fauci even warned about Ohio specifically. Listen. There are a bunch of other states, for example, Ohio, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Indiana, which are starting to show that very subtle increase in percent positives 
among the total tested, which is a surefire hint that you may be getting into the same sort of trouble with those states that the southern states got into trouble with. Why didn't you talk to Fauci about that? That's his area of expertise, not controlling protests. Why didn't he ask about that? Why didn't you ask him, how do we do better? How can you guys help us with the testing? How can you help us get results faster so that people aren't making their whole family sick while they're waiting for the result for a test? 3,500 people in Ohio have died. 11,000 are hospitalized or were. And you're worried about the protests. That's the big problem with the pandemic. Jordan can fight, no question about it. But he's going to the mat for Trump, not for you. Ahead, the middleman or the man in the middle of that Jordan Fauci spectacle. House Majority Whip Jim Clyburn. He clashed with Jordan today, too. He was the head of that committee hearing. His takeaway about what's going on and the bigger battles we're fighting. Next. Well, here, we know this much is completely clear. If you go after Dr. Fauci, the president's going to pat you on the head. If you defend him, the president's going to come after you. My next guest got a firsthand look at both sides of that equation today. House Majority Whip Jim Clyburn, Democrat from South Carolina. Congressman, always a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, Chris. Now, ordinarily, I don't care about who the president rewards and punishes, but we're in the middle of a pandemic. And the person who we are relying on most in the task force has become a pivot point for this president uh, to distract from the seriousness of the pandemic. And attacking Fauci is his way of saying, all this stuff isn't so real. How did it play for you today? Well, I cannot believe some of what uh, Jim Gordon uh, was dealing with. He seemed to be blaming uh, the spread of the virus on protesters, mm-hmm. uh, people who are peaceably protesting, uh, irrespective of where they might be. Now, I don't know why he would zero in on that kind of a gathering. He had nothing to say. Uh, about the president being down in Texas with a fundraiser, no social distancing, no masks, but that's okay. Uh, so uh, Jim Jordan uh, really is just carrying water for the president. Uh, I would hope that he would represent the people of Ohio a little better than that, because that's where this uh, pandemic seems to be shifting. It was here in the southern states. We have a problem here in South Carolina. They got a problem in Georgia and Florida and Texas. Now it seems as if it's uh, moving uh, toward uh, middle America. Right in the path of that is Ohio. So he ought to be focusing on what we can do to come up with a national plan that will include all 50 states and not worry about uh, what may be going on in one state or the other. How worried are you that the president will not do that, that he believes the politics of this situation dictates that he can't own it? He can't take charge. He can't have a big national plan. He has to just keep pushing it off, as he has done till now. Well, the president's not going to take advice from me, and I may not want to see him move up in the polls, but I'll tell you this. If he were to come out tomorrow, go back to that March, uh, that plan that his son-in-law had back in March, that they threw away, that national plan that they decided not to implement, Because at the time, back in March, the virus was there, uh, zeroed in on, what, New York, New Jersey, and they blame it all on blue states. But we now see 
It has moved south, now going west. This virus is no respecter of a blue state or a red state, no respecter of a Democrat or a Republican. Herman Cain, the guy uh, I like very much, he's fooling with the president out there in Tulsa, uh, uh, Oklahoma, passed away yesterday with the virus. Mm. Uh, these people are playing with death, and they ought to stop it. They ought to focus in on what is best for the American people. Let's have a national plan. Let's uh, have a, a leader who would lead by example, not just precept, but example. And this president refuses to set an example for the country. And we have always been able to set examples around the world. He just won't do it. Uh, you were friends with uh, John, um, Congressman Lewis for a very long time. May he rest in peace. Yes. Um, I thought it was very interesting that President Obama, uh, it kind of threw me, to be honest, Chairman. I, I thought that he was going to talk about uh, how Congressman Lewis had come up and what he had fought through and what the impact was on desegregation and voting rights. Instead, he identified as what was the opposite or the target for Lewis in terms of fighting injustice on what Trump is doing right now. Let me play a little bit of it for the audience to remind. George Wallace may be gone, but we can witness our federal government sending agents to use tear gas and batons against peaceful demonstrators. Do you believe that what this president is doing is on par with what Lewis and you and so many a generation fought against in the 60s? Absolutely. No question about that. If you look at what John Lewis and those 600 people walking across the Edmund Pettus Bridge back in, what, March uh, 1965, they were peaceful. They were coming out of church, walking away from a church. And they were uh, put upon by what I call state-sponsored rioters, calling themselves law enforcement. That's what they did then. Same thing at Black Lives Matter Plaza in New York. I mean, I'm sorry, in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. That's what they were doing, peaceful. And this president called out uh, law enforcement officers on horseback clearing the way for him to go out and stage a phony uh, Bible-toting uh, trip in front of St. John's Church. That is the same thing. This, that's why the president reminded people that there's no difference in what this president is do, doing today than what was done in Alabama back in 1965. You think this president has hate in his heart for people like you? and for the idea of justice in society for all? Well, I don't know about hate, but I know he has tremendous disrespect for people who do not look like him, people whose backgrounds and experiences are different from his. He would not rent his apartments to people who look like me. He called uh, on the state of New York to execute four innocent people young men who looked like me, he looked in the camera and called an African-American woman who even worked for him a dog. That 
kind of stuff shows disrespect. Sometimes I would much rather uh, be hated than disrespected. Why? Why? Because disrespect means I'm lesser than. You know, you can hate the person on your own level. You can hate the person above you. But when you disrespect, that shows a lower denominator, uh, in my opinion. That is a painful uh, but powerful and strong insight. Uh, Congressman Jim Clyburn, thank you very much for weighing in. And again, I'm sorry for the loss of your friend, and I'm sorry for the whole country that we lost him, frankly, especially right now. Absolutely. Thank you very much for that. All right. God bless, Jeremy. Be well. Be careful what you say. You don't know who may be listening, especially if you're the president of the United States. Another one of his phone calls was just overheard, and it is very telling. In fact, I made it a bolo. Be on the lookout next. Bolo, be on the lookout for the double dumb. A U.S. senator was secretly recorded talking about policy with the president of the United States on a speakerphone in a restaurant. That's dumb. Jim Inhofe, the chairman of the Armed Services Committee, caught speaking to Trump about their opposition to changing the names of U.S. military bases that are named after Confederate leaders. How can you want that? That's the double dumb. The call was leaked to the New York Times. Take a listen. Are you doing good? We're going to keep the name of Robert E. Lee. And are you doing Just trust me. I'll, I'll make it happen. You know, I had right? about 95,000 positive retweets from that. That's a lot. Yeah. You know, that's a lot. 95,000 yeah, positive retweets. Yeah. And people think it's a lot of it. Yeah. They want to be able to go back to life. Yeah, this BS, like not wanting people who fought to enslave people to have their names and places of prominence on our military bases. Robert E. Lee didn't even think that was a good idea. Look, I'm all for transparency. But if you're on the phone with the president discussing policy, take the call in private, Senator. Second, here goes the president again, showing you that he's completely unburdened by principle. Okay, bragging about retweets, you know. That's the way he forms his policy decision. And listen, he has gotten hundreds of thousands of likes on tweets about not renaming bases. No question about that. But should that be what he bases a policy decision on? Especially on something like this, crowdsourcing policy for 300 million Americans? You're the leader of the free world, not an Instagram model. One of the qualities that defines a great president Willingness to do what's right, even if it's not popular. Lincoln knew this. Speaking of Lincoln, let's talk about the issue at the center of this call. President Trump dismissing renaming bases as BS, cancel culture. Here are the facts. Ten army bases in the South are named after Confederate leaders. And again, they fought against the United States. And they fought for the enslavement of black people. I want you to look at the pictures. Sometimes people say, oh, you know, those are too harsh. Well, obviously, we haven't let the harshness of the reality form how we feel about it in the present. Now, thank God the Confederacy lost, and you did, by the way. But today, the U.S. military 
is united and fights for freedom for all. And there are a hell of a lot of people of color who are doing that fighting. So should our bases honor those who fought against that very principle? That's a rhetorical question. No, they shouldn't be. And the president should know that. Instead, Trump skews it as cancel culture. You can't cancel history, no matter how dark. We should learn from it, not celebrate it. The army says it is open to changing the names. And yet, for some reason, the president of our union is still fighting for the Confederacy. That is the BS. We'll be right back. Thank you very much for watching. I wish you a good weekend, but you know it doesn't start before CNN tonight with the man, D. Lemon. Ah, how are you? What do you have? Did you have a good week? Been peachy. My hair's growing back. Not everywhere, <laughs> but it's growing back. <laughs> <laughs> But it's coming back. I was just watching you saying, what is happening with that hair? You're starting to look like... I look like Cesar Romero when he was the Joker. <laughs> you look like Mr. Furley. Batman. From, from Mr. Furley from Three's Company. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'll take it. I just want coverage. I just want coverage. <laughs> hey, the hair's the second thing to go. <laughs> What's the first one? Eyesight. What did you say? Eyesight. See, that was a play that my hearing had gone. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> hearing. No, that's why I need the, I can't see anything without it. I can't see anything anymore. It's crazy. I think you just like glasses. No. I think you're one of those. No, no, no. These are real. Look at that. You can see they're real. Jesus, see? look at that. You look like Mr. Magoo. Uh, no. <laughs> I know. I can't see anything. Like, I wake up in the morning and my phone, I'm like this. <laughs> Maybe that's explaining why that boat's all marked up. <laughs> and, and, and Gotta let your else. nephew drive it. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, (laughs) I love when it sinks in. I I almost said that bad word. Um, So, but serious talk. Yes, sir. Uh, Let's talk about the the phone call and the monuments. And, you know, this isn't, this is not about politics anymore. It's not even about bigotry. It is, I guess it is about that. This is about common sense. Yeah. It's just common sense. And anyone who is, Standing up for and promoting, you know, Confederate statues and monuments and high school names. It's come on. It's not cancel culture. It's not cancel culture. You know, I mean, I get look, the president almost had me. You know, uh, you want to talk about cancel culture. You want to talk about political correctness and sometimes how we put too much value on words and not deeds. All right. I'm ready for a conversation. Yeah. Um, But no, these are people who fought for the right to enslave other human beings. Yeah, right. They were treasonous. They were tre- fought against yes. the United States. And even States. Robert E. Lee thought it was a bad idea yeah. to do this. Yeah. Um, so the idea of protecting his name, and the worst part of it for me is, Don, and again, even though Mary Trump moved me on this, all right, you and I have had this discussion many times. I see what he does as demagoguery, um, but I hold in reserve the idea that he is just a flat-out bigot. Mary Trump says, no, I'm wrong. Uh, She's heard him, uh, the father, everybody. I'm wrong. They were bigots. Okay. But Um, you know know he doesn't have any strong feeling. Uh, Many times. Many times. But I give people the benefit of the doubt as long as I can. Um, You know, it's one of the explanations for our friendship. The thing I can't get, though, is I know that he doesn't give a damn about Confederate names and statues and what the names of the base are. And so he's playing with something that's so hurtful to so many people, and he's doing it 
just out of political advantage. Do you know what else he doesn't give a damn about? A lot of the people who show up at his rallies, you ever see them at a Trump hotel or property? If you ever see him hanging out with them before he was president? He, he didn't even care. shake hands before he was president. No way. He's riding in his limo looking at those people out of the side. Hey, how could, he care, how could he care about you if you come to see him in Florida and he sees you without a mask packed into a place where the virus is everywhere? Yeah. And he doesn't say anything to you about it. And that's what we're going to talk about. Have a great weekend. I'm sure I'll see you. D. Lemon, I love you. I can't wait for you to buy lunch. Bring your wallet. I was just going to say, bring your wallet this weekend. <laughs> you know, I lost it. I can't find it. Mm. I'll figure it out. My I love wallet you, buddy. Christopher Cuomo on Make it. your witness. Yeah. I'll see you. Have a good one. Quality sleep is essential. And that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country. Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash country. Max subscription required.